It's nearly been a year since the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, but the embattled quarterback keeps taking big hits. The latest details coming up on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Greatly appreciate it. Replacing our Thursday episode, I actually had my wisdom teeth removed yesterday, so this will be a little bit shorter episode. We're going to be tackling your mailbag questions and extended mailbag today and the latest revolving around former Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson coming courtesy of The Athletic. I'll be diving into that and an alternate reality that could have potentially happened for the Seahawks in 2022 instead of what we saw last season with a surprising playoff berth. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. March 8th will mark a year since the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to the Broncos, a move that stunned the entire NFL world, even though there had been rumors circulating for a couple of years about discontentment and that Wilson maybe wanted to go elsewhere, maybe that the Seahawks had tried to shop him themselves. It still was a surprise to the system, but nearly a calendar year later, the hits keep coming for Russell Wilson after a really challenging season with the Denver Broncos in which they finished 5-12. and 12. A new report coming out this morning courtesy of The Athletic indicating that Russell Wilson went to ownership. Jody Allen, the chairman of the Seahawks, and wanted Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired. Now, the quarterback came out about an hour after that report came out, also had his lawyer came out and made a statement as well, denying these allegations. But this would just be the latest layer in what has been a, a really complex story, the way this has played out the last couple of years. Even Russell Wilson was still in a Seahawks uniform and wasn't traded a couple of years ago when there was rumors going around. His agent revealed four teams that his client would be interested in trading for. And one of the teams that was on that list at that time was the New Orleans Saints, and Sean Payton was still on the sidelines at that point. According to this report coming from The Athletic, Sean Payton was the preferred replacement that was offered up for Pete Carroll, and that was pitched to ownership. Again, these allegations have been denied by Russell Wilson, but it's an interesting new wrinkle when you look at this story, asking the owner basically to pull a coup. You're saying, I want to get rid of the head coach who's a Super Bowl winning head coach. I want to get rid of the general manager who is a Super Bowl orchestrating general manager. And I want to bring in Sean Payton, who's got a Super Bowl ring of his own. But it's a wrinkle that's really ironic when you consider now that Sean Payton is the one that's being tasked with trying to fix Russell Wilson in Denver as their new head coach. And they just had to trade multiple draft picks, including a first-round selection to the Saints to get the rights to Sean Payton. That is what ultimately the Seahawks would have had to do if they would have followed through with the request from Russell Wilson, if indeed this is what happened. And this is something that we have speculated on this podcast for a while. 
dating back to when this trade happened last March. And we were surprised, even though there had been rumors out there, that this move was actually made by the Seattle Seahawks to send Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. But we have wondered ever since that point, especially with the statements that came out from Jody Allen, from John Schneider, from Pete Carroll, we have wondered if this truly was one of those situations where Jody Allen had to pick Pete Carroll or had to pick Russell Wilson. And now this would just add another layer to that story. If Russell Wilson or even his reps went to Jody Allen and said, this is what needs to happen to keep me here. You need to get rid of the coach. You need to get rid of the general manager. You need to bring in the coach that I want in Sean Payton, trade some draft picks to the Saints to get that coach. And the Seahawks decided ultimately to stick with their brain trust instead. And it looks like right now Pete Carroll and John Schneider are getting another laugh in here. They get the number five pick because the Denver Broncos floundered to a five-win season. A young team loaded with rookies won nine games and made the postseason. Geno Smith was a pro bowler and had a 10 times better season what Russell Wilson did under center. And so, you know, in short term, this has truly been a very lopsided trade in favor of the Seahawks. And there's plenty of time for Sean Payton to fix things with Russell Wilson in Denver and the Broncos could still end up making something out of this. But right now, it looks like one of the more lopsided trades in history. And looking at what could have been an alternate reality, let's say that this report and these are three very good reporters for The Athletic that have a great reputation and they do an excellent job. And so with the information that we already knew going into this report, I would be surprised if this is really how it went down and that Russell Wilson was trying to push for there to be major changes. He already had done this with an offensive coordinator earlier. Would not be surprised if this is really how it went down. But what if Jody Allen had decided to go that other route? And I've seen some people on social media saying, well, maybe Sean Payton coming to Seattle. I'm interested to see what that would have done. But I want you to think about this. This is a lot more complex than simply just swapping out Pete Carroll for Sean Payton. You got to think about all the other dominoes that fell when the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson and they won't be getting those draft picks and everything else that they got. So in this alternate reality, where Sean Payton becomes head coach of the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll and John Schneider are fired at the request of Russell Wilson, the Seahawks would have likely had to trade their 2023 first round pick to the New Orleans Saints for Sean Payton and probably have to throw a second pick in there as the Denver Broncos did a day two selection as well. And then they probably would have had to uh, include another pick thrown in there because of the fact that they would have been giving up a future first round pick, which is viewed as a current second round pick by most of the league. And then you wouldn't have had any first round selections in 2022 or 2023. So no Charles Cross. You're not going to have that number nine selection. Dwayne Brown's probably back playing left tackle. You don't have your future left tackle anymore. And who knows who else they end up drafting because they would have had three less players from this rookie class that they had that did so well in 2022. And then you add in the cost. If Russell Wilson wants that massive extension that the Denver Broncos ended up giving him after the trade, you're looking at major cap limitations, more so than what the Seahawks already had with the big contract that Russell Wilson was carrying when they traded him. And with the play last season, we're talking elite pay for declining quarterback talent. And we don't know if the season would have played out exactly that way if Russell Wilson was still in Seattle a second season with Shane Waldron. Maybe he's much more productive in this offense last year. We will never know that. But the fact of the matter is that right now, Jody Allen's looking pretty darn smart for making the decision he did. If 
think in this Wilson, maybe the Broncos are closer to being a contender than what people realize with Sean Payton as the coach. But Seattle's got that young foundation, and they've got all these draft picks to work with this year. So right now, again, this is a very lopsided trade. And at this point, you got to feel a bit, a bit bad for Seattle's former quarterback because it just seems like the hits just keep coming, this barrage of reports that keeps coming out after him. And this is just me personally. I'm hoping for Russell Wilson to have a big bounce back season because he's done so many great things in the city of Seattle. And I know that his exit has been scathed by the things that have happened. And he certainly deserves some of the blame for some of what's happening right now. You don't want all this criticism, then play better football at the same time. It is really difficult from the outside to be able to watch the way this has transpired right now with a player that was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And you can still make the argument has Hall of Fame numbers, even with how last season played out and has made a bunch of Pro Bowls. It's tough to watch from the outside, and obviously Seahawks fans are not going to be pushing as, as much for the Broncos to struggle this year because you're not going to be getting the first-round pick from them next season. But it's certainly one where you'd like to see Russell Wilson be able to rediscover his game a little bit and have a solid season. And at the same time, if this is really what went down and he was trying to pull a coup to get the coach and the general manager out, you can kind of understand maybe why these reports continue to circulate Maybe the coaching staff in the front office are taking some victory laps right now with the way that things went down. It's unfortunate that it ended the way that it did, but the Seahawks have all these draft picks courtesy of the Broncos. And so far, the decision to stick with the coaching staff in the front office has ended up really paying off for the Seattle Seahawks. Coming up next here on our Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks, I'm going to be tackling your mailbag questions, an extended mailbag. Not going to do anything super fancy today, a day after having my wisdom teeth removed, but got a ton of questions from you, the 12s, that I'm looking forward to answering. And we'll get to those here in a moment on our Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. I'm a big fan, personally, of betting on player props, including FanDuel's player double parlays. For example, you can bet on Rudy Gobert of the Timberwolves to score 20 points in tonight's game against the Hornets at plus 240. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to have all the 12s listening in, whether this is your first time checking out the podcast or you are a diehard regular listener. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And we greatly appreciate it. Didn't get a mailbag on Monday with us doing an extended mock draft Monday episode. And with me coming off of the wisdom tooth surgery, I am looking forward to tackling a bunch of questions here. And we get some really interesting ones. Some of them are football related. We got some comic book related ones that I was really excited about that have some NFL spin to them. So let's get to it. Our first question here coming from Mitchell Bonner on YouTube. 
With the hire of Greg Olson as the quarterback coach, how likely is it Seattle goes in on Drew Locke or a rookie? If likely, which one more so? So I'm going to say this right now. We have explored a bunch of different quarterback options here on this podcast, whether it has been Lamar Jackson being acquired from the Ravens, looking at Derek Carr, looking at the rookie class, Drew Locke coming back as the starter. I still think that it is most likely going to be Geno Smith. So I would say less than a 15% chance that the Seahawks are going to roll forward with a rookie or with Drew Locke or with anybody else for that matter. I still think that this is Geno Smith's job, and I still think the Seahawks are going to find a way to pay him, at least with the franchise tag. I anticipate he's going to be back after a breakout Pro Bowl season. But if I had to say which of these two is more likely, I would lean towards the rookie. And that might surprise some of our listeners because Drew Locke was in the system last year. But I still think there's a good chance that Drew Locke ends up in Tampa Bay where Dave Canales is now the offensive coordinator. I think that that has a strong probability of happening where he competes against Kyle Trask. Maybe a rookie comes in there as well and he tries to battle for a starting job. He's not going to get that chance in Seattle if Geno Smith is here. But if the Seahawks bring in a rookie, I just think that this is a class that's got some intriguing quarterbacks. Maybe one of those guys ends up getting picked early by the Seahawks at number five overall. I would not completely rule that out, especially if somehow something falls through with Geno Smith. So I would lean rookies being more probable. I still would say less than 15% chance for either one of those options with Geno Smith being the heavy favorite to be the quarterback for the Seahawks in 2023. Derek on Twitter writes, Madness facing a make-or-break year. If you're calling the shots for the video game, how the heck do you fix a game that seems so broken without any competition? Well, I'm glad that you point out that first thing. And I will say this right now. I hardly play Madden anymore. I am busy with work stuff. And quite frankly, it just hasn't been good for several years. I can't even remember the last good Madden title. And I used to play it religiously, but the game has just fallen off the face of the earth. They've put so much emphasis. Those of you that are gamers will love this. Those of you that don't play the game will be like, what is he going to be talking about here? But uh, ultimate team, I think that it has ruined the game in part because they're pushing for so much profit off of that, that they're not focusing on the things that made the game great to begin with, which was great gameplay and a really deep uh, franchise mode. The franchise mode now has nothing on the versions from 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. That was the peak years for Madden. And then they got away from what really worked then. The gameplay got sloppy. And then not having competition, they didn't really have incentive to improve their product. And so I'm hoping this is truly a make-or-break year for them and they actually are going to take advantage of that and, and try to come out with a quality game that has good football and maybe bring back some of those mini camp drills like rushing attack that I used to play religiously. But uh, I'm not going to be able to play it a ton anyway because I'm an adult and I don't have a ton of time in my hands to play video games. But it would be nice if Madden was a more polished product this year. And then I'd maybe give it a chance and check it out. If it plays like the older games, then maybe I'll find a little bit more time in my schedule to play. But certainly uh, the reviews I've been getting, there's a reason why. Fans have been upset. The product has just fallen off the wayside in recent years. Little Billy on YouTube. Has Seattle not taken the number three wide receiver spot seriously enough? Should they have tried harder to bring in talent there the last several years? I don't think that this is a issue with Seattle not trying to upgrade their number three position. I mean, just remember a few years ago, excuse me, 
few years ago that they used a second round pick on D Eskridge, the highest pick they had in that draft. They only had three selections and they've gone out and they've made some other moves, signing free agent wide receivers, no splashy moves necessarily, but they did invest a high draft pick. So maybe you could make the argument that they should have made a bigger splash in free agency to add that third receiver, but they've used a high draft pick at the position. So I don't think it's been an issue of resources they just haven't been able to find that player through the draft of free agency that's truly been able to transcend their offense as that third target next to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And maybe this year they'll go back to the draft because Eskridge has struggled to stay healthy. And maybe Eskridge can still be that guy, uh, but they're going to have to continue to search for that position and see if they can get another talented player that they can put with their two stars in this offense and give Geno Smith another weapon he can throw to, preferably somebody they can create after the catch out of the slot. That is still the one area that Eskridge was supposed to help with that they haven't gotten those contributions from they hope for. So that would be the number one target there in that three spot. Get yourself a physical slot receiver, a bigger guy maybe that can create after the catch. And that is going to open up your playbook. It's going to open up the formations. You could run the personnel groupings, and that makes you that much tougher to defend on Sundays. Alex tweeting, do you think Pete Carroll will retire when his contract ends in a few years? So it's tough telling when you're talking about the oldest coach in the NFL. I will say this right now, though. I think there is a higher percentage chance that Pete Carroll gets another contract and coaches in Seattle than there is that he retires at the end of this current contract. If, the, if they manage to win the Super Bowl, that could change things. If they win another Super Bowl in the next couple of seasons, he may decide to walk out on a high note, and nobody would blame him for that. But he is having so much fun, and he's still so much so energetic. And really, last season, getting that team to the playoffs, it really seemed to – I'm not going to say that he was you know needing to be brought back to life, but 2021 was a really difficult year for him. And last year, you could just see that the fun had returned, that he was really getting joy from coaching that football team. So I find it hard to believe that he's near the end of the line here. As long as he stays healthy, doesn't have any issues in that regard, he's still extremely high energy. He loves he's doing. The players love playing for him. I think that another contract is more likely than him retiring after this current one, but we'll see what happens here in the next couple of years. Things obviously are always in limbo when you're talking about older coaches and he might get to the end of the season and be like, you know what? The time is now. It hit me. It's time to retire. I just think he's got several more years to coach in Seattle as long as he wants to. Flag Sabbath on YouTube. Why does this team continually spend free agency money so poorly? And I got a lot of questions with similar tone to this one. And I just I chose this one because I liked the way that it was worded, just from the sense that this has been an issue that fans have raised for a number of free agency periods where the Seahawks have used one-year deals that have a little bit larger salary cap hits. For that reason, they don't shift the money to a second or third season. And this has been done on players that are viewed as role players, like Nick Ballore getting $6.6 million for two years. Phil Haynes getting $4 million in guaranteed money for this year, or having a $4 million cap hit and not being a guy that has started more than a handful of games in the NFL. Those type of moves have irked some fans. And I will say this in defense of the Seahawks this time. I think that there have been some examples in the past where they have 
poorly executed a large chunk of cap space. But I liked these moves, even if they look like they're a little bit more expensive. Seattle, John Schneider said this on his radio show the other day. They looked at the free agent crop here, and honestly, at guard, there's a few guys that maybe would be really nice additions, but for the bang for buck, they felt like Phil Haynes was going to be a better fit for them with what they had seen, and I'm expecting that Gabe Jackson is going to get cut there, which means Phil Haynes is going to be your starter unless you draft somebody that beats him out. So you've got your insurance plan, and Nick Bloor is such a valuable player on special teams, maybe a little more expensive than I would have gone I probably would have been looking at a little under $2 million per year, but this is a guy that's been a pro bowler and he is such an important part of their locker room that those kind of players you want to keep around. So I don't necessarily view the deals they made. Jason Myers is coming off a fantastic season and he's one of the better kickers in the league right now. You know, you're going to have to pay a little bit of a premium on him. So you can make arguments in the past that maybe Seattle was overspent for players like this. I think right now it's too early to be jumping conclusions on these three contracts that have been given out right now. Two key special teams players, as well as somebody that I think has a really good chance to start for the Seahawks in the offensive line next year at right guard in Phil Haynes. If he ends up starting most of the season and and is able to build off some of the flashes we've seen, then that contract is not going to look like an expensive one at all. If it doesn't work out, then you move on next year. And there's a lot of organizations that operate this way, not just the Seahawks. Next question from GLC Williams tweets, Caleb Williams would be the best quarterback in this draft if he was eligible. So what does Seattle have to do to turn this year's first and second round picks into getting Caleb Williams next year? So, this is a question that's extremely complicated to answer because, quite frankly, we don't know, obviously, what the draft order is going to look like in 2023. But if Seattle wants to get in a position to pick Caleb Williams in the 2024 NFL draft, you better hope that you have a high first round pick. And Pete Carroll and John Schneider are not going to want that as a result of them floundering next year. They don't want to come off a playoff season and then have a top five pick. So how do you get up there? you would have to do some maneuvering with your first rounders this year. Maybe at number five, if you trade down like four or five spots, one of those teams will give you a first round pick for next season. If that team ends up having a bad year next year, then you would get their high first round pick, similar to what you got with the Russell Wilson trade, that first rounder being number five overall because they floundered. So you would have to hold out hope whoever you traded with to move down would then have a really bad season and that future first round pick would be a high selection there's other ways that you could go about it. You could package a bunch of picks next year to move up. That's what a lot of teams do. San Francisco did it to move up and get Trey Lance a few years ago. That hasn't worked out for them to this point, but there's been other examples that have worked out for teams. So those would be the two options that they would have. But right now, without knowing where teams are going to pick next year and stuff, there's not a concrete way that you can be like, this is how we get into the number one spot. This do that. For next season you can find ways to build yourself some assets for next year so that you can do that but there's no guaranteed way to get into that number one slot right now uh, for the next year's draft and we don't have draft orders we don't know records any of those things jared tweets oh i'm excited about this question which current seahawks would make up the original avengers in a movie so first off i'm going to show my nerdism off here a little bit now black widow would be one of them i'm not including black widow on here but the seven original avengers you've got your iron man thorn or thor not thorn thor hulk uh ant-man uh captain america and hawkeye would be the other one so 
I'm trying to think who would fit the bill on those from the current Seahawks. Mm, for Iron Man, you know what? Tyler Lockett strikes me as Iron Man. I could see him being somebody that off the field is really, really interested in building robotics and things of that nature. Really intelligent, uh, instinctive guy uh, that I could see flying all over the place. And yeah, so he would be Iron Man for me. Captain America, I'd go with the other receiver. I think that that's a good fit for DK Metcalf. I can just see him with the shield and chucking it and and running all over the place. And he just strikes me as somebody that would really like to wear the stars and stripes. So I would go with the two receivers there with those particular Avengers. And then for Thor, I'm just going to go with the guy that looks like him, which is Colby Parkinson. <laughs> I think Colby Parkinson should be the one that's raising the hammer for the Seahawks. Uh, Hulk, I'm going to go with Puna Forge because I, you know, the short, stocky, big body guy, pretty quiet. And then the field can play with anger. So I think he would be a really good Hulk. And then Ant-Man, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've seen him called this by teammates online. So I've got to go with Quandre Diggs just because I believe it was, uh, Greg Island on social media the other day, they called him Ant-Man. So we're, we're going to go with Quandre Diggs. He might be small, but he's mighty and he gets a lot of interceptions. So he would get that one. And then Geno Smith would get Hawkeye with that deadly accurate, almost 70% completion rate first in the NFL this year. Very precise shooting his bow and arrow. So uh, I would have Hawkeye be Geno Smith. <laughs> uh, question eight here on our mailbag. Pete's Arab Monarchs tweets. I didn't know that shoes could tweet. Do you think the Seahawks could make a trade in the draft to acquire an established player, maybe an interior defensive lineman or edge if the guys they like aren't on the board? So this is always a possibility. I would say that it's not a strong likelihood because I think John Schneider wants to use those draft picks to bring in rookies that are going to be under club control for at least the next four years. But if the board doesn't fall your way and the top two or three defenders are off the board when you get up at pick five or pick 20, you're like, man, the, the board is really watered down. We're not able to get the player we want. Maybe you could call up a team like the Colts and see what it would take to get DeForest Buckner to bring in and add to your defensive line, or maybe Vita Vea coming back to the Pacific Northwest from the Buccaneers. I mean, there's some names that we've discussed on the show that would be a possibility if Seattle wanted to go down that road, if there weren't players available that they wanted in the draft. This would really require the draft board to really fall the exact opposite of how Seattle wanted it. like everything to go against what they are looking for. <laughs> and then maybe that, that could happen because we know John Schneider is capable of being a, a gambler and rolling the dice a little bit, trading picks away. But I would still say that this is fairly slim. I expect that he's going to be looking, looking to find ways to make 10 picks into 11 or 12 in this draft and really further solidify this draft. And with that top five pick, a great chance to get a blue chip talent at the top of this draft as well. And our last question coming from Seahawks Realm Tweet. Speaking of the draft, how would you feel if the Seahawks drafted Bajan Robinson with pick number 20? So I'll say this as a running back guy. I would think that this is a tremendous waste of resources if the Seahawks did this. If they used a first-round selection, one of those two picks, on a running back, even though Bajan Robinson is in my top 10, he is on my big board, there are teams out there that I think you could make a very strong argument to pick him in the first round. The Seahawks are not one of those teams. Now, if he somehow slipped into the second round, 
I would be very hard-pressed not to make that pick just because could you imagine him and Ken Walker the third playing together? And they have little different skill sets, little different players. Robbins is a bigger back at 220-plus pounds. But Seattle needs lineman help on both sides of the ball. They could use some linebacker help. They could use extra depth at receiver. They could use, I don't know, maybe a quarterback to develop. But there are a bunch of other positions that are much higher up on the list. Now, I, I think Seattle will draft a running back, but I would not do it that early. This is a deep running back class. If it wasn't, if this was a group that was really top-heavy, then maybe this discussion is a little bit different. But even a running back enthusiast like myself, uh, I would look at that thinking, why would you waste pick 20 when you already had a rookie of the year candidate at running back last year in Ken Walker the third, and you can get a quality player to have as a complimentary back to go with DJ Dallas as well, you can get one later in the draft. You have plenty of capital to do that. So I just feel like there are a lot of other really good players at positions that are going to be much more valuable for the Seahawks to pick. So I would certainly view that as a wasted resource if they picked him at pick number 20. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all major platforms, and streaming five days a week video form on YouTube. We'll have a second Friday show coming courtesy of my co-host, Nick Lee. He'll be coming out with his latest free agent frenzy and taking a look at whether or not Bobby Wagner has a chance to be back with the Seahawks in 2023. Looking forward to him dishing out that bonus episode to close out the week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks.